And there are some businesses that are very good in the coronavirus. Bicycle sales are very good. Dog sales and pet sales are very good. Um, of course, restaurant sales aren't, so you wouldn't want to go in the restaurant business. Hello and welcome. I am Wendy Blumweiss. This is Redefine Yourself during times of uncertainty. I have a very special guest that I have invited on the show for the last year. He is a retired business owner and he happens to be my husband. Welcome, Harry. Good afternoon. Nice to be here. Well, I'd love for you to share a little bit about your background. You, you share this story often about how you went from working for someone to launching your own business and then eventually being able to retire pretty early on in life. But it was through an obstacle and redefining yourself that that happened. So can you share a little bit about your like how you got started in the business world? Wow. Well, that's um, goes way back to when I graduated college, I guess, and uh, got lucky. I met a man that happened to work for a toy company and he offered me a job. And that's not exactly true. I applied for a job and he gave it to me and I sold Barbie dolls out of college. And then I progressed into a, a buyer for a department store for about seven years and then I guess as the story goes, I wanted to ask for a raise and can I, can I ask you a question about the raise? How much, how much of a raise were you asking for? Well, it's a little misleading because this is, you know, 30 years ago, more 40 years ago. So I was asking for 25 hours, which today is probably $150, but yes, I was asking for 25 hours and my boss said, you know, can't handle it. And, um, I said, well, I have to quit if you don't give me the raise. And he said, well, in that case, don't let the door hit you in the ass when you uh, walk out. And so I walked out and I started my own business and, and it did pretty well. So what happened? How, okay, so how did you just start your business? If you were a toy buyer, then how did you just, how'd you get the resources? How did you start your business? Well, I actually embellished the story a little bit. I didn't quit that day. I quit about a month later. But what I did do was I went on the road on a buying trip for my the company I work for, to all my vendors in Pittsburgh. I was in Milwaukee, Cincinnati. All our vendors were mostly in the east part of the country. And I told them I was thinking about leaving and and I have no money. And would you guys, you know, just give me credit? And this little bit here, a little bit there helps. And they all said, Of course I'll give you credit. And uh, and um, I went back then and I resigned. But I resigned before I had knew that people were going to help me because it's very hard to be in business unless someone's helping you. Um, everybody needs help. And I was lucky because I knew a lot of people from my experience buying and, and selling before that, you know, selling Barbie dolls. Uh, so I was, you know, I was ready to go. My biggest fear, which is kind of silly when I think of it now, think back on it now, was a cash register. I never worked a cash register before. I was a buyer or a salesman. I never knew about how to push a button. And I remember going, oh my God, how am I going to work this cash register? Which is ridiculous because the salesman came to sell me a cash register. It's like a calculator. It was no big deal. But that's what scared me the most. But anyway, then I learned through it. You know, I just learned how to do it as I went through. My only expertise was, was buying. I knew, I knew the toy business, what a, what a toy was worth and what it would retail for and the kind of margins I needed. But I didn't know about, you know, about the bookkeeping or, or housekeeping with a store or, or 
even merchandising for that matter. I just knew if I bought it at the right price, I could sell it at the right price. But the other stuff you learn, it's just, you know, it's automatic. And when I think back on it, one time in high school, I took a course in retailing as an elective. And it was kind of a stupid course because it was pretty simple. And they would tell you how to stack a can of Campbell's soup so it looks nice on a, on a grocery store display, which in high school didn't mean too much to me. But then when I got in the retail business, it all kind of made sense what they said about, you know, how to display it and where to put it. And, and uh, but it's some, a lot of it's just common knowledge, common sense. But the other part was you have to know people and I knew people. You also shared this story about you just looked around for opportunities. So you moved into, and this was sort of when it was hot with these discount, you know, stores and then you were in this area, Reading, Pennsylvania, and there was a store that hired, or they paid like the bus to stop by with all of these people to make that part of the tour. And mm -hmm. then you thought that was a really good idea. So how did that work out for you? Well, I didn't, it wasn't my idea. When I, when I moved to Reading, and I actually didn't live in the city. I lived maybe three or four miles outside the city. And I heard about the outlets. Reading was very famous for their outlets, factory outlets. And at the time, they were the only outlets in the whole country. I mean, now you have them everywhere. Sawgrass, every three or four exits on 95 is an outlet center. But back in those days, Reading was the only outlet center in the world. And I never saw it. I lived there for eight years and never saw one. Never, never saw a bus, never saw a person going into a store, never saw a store. And then when I quit, I really didn't know what to do. So I decided to have a toy store and may as well have it in the outlets. So I took a ride down there one day on a Saturday afternoon, and I just stood in the corner. And me and my dad, I actually had a partner in the beginning. Barry and I just stood there. We watched all these people driving into town, and these buses come into town, and the people just, you know, walk through the stores and, and buy things, you know, pretty wild. That's when I decided that I'd like to have a, an outlet store. And, um, and the biggest outlet was Vanity Fair. Uh, I went to Vanity Fair and said, you know, I'm, I'm, I want to open up a toy store. And, and they laughed at me because, you know, Vanity Fair was legitimate and all their outlets were real outlets. J. Crew and Tommy Hilfiger and Izod and, and all big names. Uh, and I was, you know, it was nothing. So I couldn't get in there. So I had to get into a, 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 a different outlet center, which, you know, was basically a closed out place. It was it wasn't real. It was people like me that opened up stores and just sold merchandise. And, um, but the key was getting the buses. I mean, the buses where their action was. You know, on a good Saturday afternoon at Christmas, we have a thousand buses pulling through our parking lot. And these people came to shop. They didn't come to, on steel, they came to steel also. But they, uh, they, they weren't window shopping. They weren't just killing the day. They were driving, you know, three, four hours to get to us. In some cases, overnight, it was a long trip. And, uh, and we had to figure out a way to get these buses to come to us. And it's not my idea, this guy, Mike Dunleavy, he, he discovered the way to do it. He had a little leather shop in the building I was in. And so he would go over to, he would go over to the Vanity Fair parking lot. Now what these people would do is a local woman's club in, you know, in Baltimore, Maryland, or a, or a sewing club in Rochester, New York, they get together, they'd hire a bus and they, go to Reading, Pennsylvania to shop at Vanity Fair. And, uh, and I'd pay the bus, you know, the bus, whatever they paid them, $100, whatever it was in those days. And 
And that's it. They went to Vanity Fair. And the bus driver got nothing. He, was, he got a salary and whatever he made, he made. And Mike got this idea, you know, we only need the guy for half an hour, 45 minutes in our building. What if we give the bus driver 50 bucks to come visit us? And so the bus driver, we paid the bus drivers off. And not just us, as it grew and other buildings opened up, everybody paid the bus drivers off, except Vanity Fair. <laughs> They're the only ones that didn't pay. And it got to a point where, um, where some of the bus drivers didn't even go to Vanity Fair because they can make more money going to the different outlets and get paid from people like me. They can make themselves three, four hundred hours on a good Saturday. And I think bus drivers back in those days probably made about 75 hours a day. So they were happy to come to us. And they would tell their people on the bus, you don't want to go to Vanity Fair. You want to go to these other places. <laughs> and that's how we did it. And we paid the bus drivers off. And uh, just so I guess no different now when you go on a tour somewhere, you're on vacation in Naples or California, and you take a bus tour and they stop at certain restaurants. They just don't pick those restaurants out because it's on the road. That bus driver is getting paid to go to those places. And we did basically the same thing. Our biggest problem was Atlantic City because there's only so many buses. And when Atlantic City opened up back in the 70s, a lot of the people wanted to gamble in Atlantic City. And they took all the buses, or as many buses as they can get. And we had a hard time for a while getting buses. And, but we did, we worked it out. And, uh, and that was it. Today, Reading, Pennsylvania is nothing. There's one outlet center there, Vanity Fair. It's half the size it used to be. And all the rest of them, and I say all the rest of them, they're probably another three or four or 500 stores there are all closed now. And it's basically a slum. I took you there a couple of years ago. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, we, it's hard to believe what was there 30 years ago because what's there today is a slump. Yeah. And that's what happened. Amazing. Now, so can you share with our listeners and, and viewers what your philosophy was and how you were able to retire early? Well, I retired at 43. Um, and I really retired only because I had no more vendors. And I, I used to buy mostly from wholesalers that, that, um, that, that, that overbought, they overbought. In the toy business, you place your orders for Christmas in February. And there's a lot of new toys that are introduced and um, you don't know what's going to sell. And comes around October and a lot of these, um, a lot of these uh, wholesalers realized they made a mistake. Now, might have been a mistake in Cincinnati, might have been a mistake in Nebraska, or maybe in San Antonio, Texas, but it wasn't a mistake in Philadelphia because we were the fourth largest TV market in the country. So when these companies sold in, and they promised to buy advertising everywhere, they didn't. They spot they spot advertised. So you could have a doll that. In San Antonio, that, that wasn't worth a nickel, where you can get $20 for it in, in, in Philadelphia or in Reading, where I was, they market. And uh, so we would, we had scout, I'd scour the country and find a lot of brand new merchandise. Just people overbought it, that's all. But then in the end, uh, as the Walmarts got bigger and the uh, Targets got bigger and Toys R Us in those days got bigger, it, uh, it put the wholesalers out of business because these people are all buying direct, right, from the factories. And so you knew that, like you sensed there was a big- Well, no, I didn't sense it. I, I couldn't imagine why I was buying this stuff. It was amazing. I call a guy on the phone and I just, I just bought a Barbie doll from Mattel for $10 and this guy's gonna sell it to me for, for five. And that's not Mattel. He was the guy that was bought it from Mattel. He just wanted to get some of his money back. So I didn't even know what was happening, but I just, I, you know, 
I'll give you five dollars for it. And then a Monopoly game, I'll give you four dollars for it. And I kept buying this stuff. And and then I was doing pretty well, actually. And then one day I woke up and I go, Dave, oh, I'm sorry, I'm out of business. And I go, Gary, oh, I'm sorry, I'm out of business. I had no way to buy from. So I was 43 and I said, all right, I'm done. And then I thought about it and I said, you know, I'm not going to work for somebody else because once you work for yourself, you can't work for somebody else. And if you're going to start a new business, like when I started this business 10 years before that, uh, you got to work hard. I mean, it's, you just don't do nothing like I do now, but you got to work hard. And I didn't want to work hard anymore. I just said, you know, to hell with it. I don't want to work hard anymore. So I put the money back in those days in, uh, in the stock market and the stock market did pretty good in the eighties and nineties. And, uh, and that was it. And I haven't worked there. You know, it's, it's, that's it. I don't well, have but to. it wasn't always straight up. There was like a time you were really, you know, it, it could have gone either way, right? Because then the stock market went down. No, it wasn't that I was a genius. I was no genius at all. It's just like back in the dot-com days, you know, from 95, I guess, till about 2000, you could throw a dart against the wall to pick a stock. I mean, that was, and that's about what happened. And then when the market crashed, yeah, the market crashed in, I think it was 99 to 2000, I forget. I think it was 99. Anyway, when it crashed, I was really doing well. I, I, I put a lot of money in the bank or had a lot of money in the market. And I told myself, if I ever lose a third of it, if I lose a third of it, I'm getting out. And sure enough, I lost a third of it. And uh, I got out. Then I, got, then I got back in a little bit a couple of years later, but then I got back in the, then I was buying real estate. I was flipping houses. I was always doing something. Or um, I built a couple of houses in the Hamptons. I was always doing something. But in the last, I don't know, I guess uh, 10 years, I'm doing nothing, nothing. I do nothing. But your philosophy is though, is to like, when you make a little bit of a profit, like get out, like don't go for like the, don't be greedy. Like don't go uh, for too much. It's actually, it's actually a slogan for that. A quick nickel is better than a slow dollar. And uh, that was my philosophy in business. And my philosophy now is, you know, you know, I have everything I want. Luckily, I don't want a lot. I don't want a lot, you know, like I drive a Volvo. Now, if I want, I could buy a Mercedes, but I'm okay with the Volvo. I just like to know I have the money if I want to buy a Mercedes, it's there. There was an old TV, not, there was a TV show on recently with Michael Douglas called uh, The Kaminsky Method. And somebody asked him once about, why does he have a pastrami sandwich in his refrigerator? And he says, you know, I can't eat pastrami anymore. He says, I'm not healthy and it's not good for you. But I buy one every three or four days and I put it in there just because if I want to eat it someday, it's there. And that's how I feel about my life. If I want to do something different, I, I can do basically anything I want to do. But luckily, I don't want to, I don't have to fly first class. I'm very happy flying coach. Well, for anybody who's watching, who's maybe just starting out in business or going through a, diff a difficult time or transitioning, what words of wisdom would you have for a younger person or someone midlife right now? Well, right now is a tough time because it's the coronavirus, but you'd have to pick up, you'd have to pick up something that, and there are some businesses that are very good in the coronavirus. Bicycle sales are very good. Dog sales and pet sales are very good. Um, of course, restaurant sales aren't, so you wouldn't want to go in the restaurant business. But there's a lot of industries that are a profit, profiting very big and growing very largely because of Corona. One of those cases is my daughter, Kim, she opened up a wellness center and uh, 
and their herb business is based a lot part of it's based on growing your immune system and uh they, they have um they have uh drips like a uh, you know vitamin drip so they put a intravenous into your arm and they shoot you with vitamin c or d whatever whatever you want for your immune system zinc maybe and uh and she's doing very well and we have another friend that's a dog dog uh trainer she's doing phenomenal because people are buying dogs so you have to find a business that makes sense right now with the virus but will the virus last forever probably not but it's a good place to start i guess it's it's different times it's a different world today a different world than it used to be uh you wouldn't want to have a toy store today because no one goes in stores you might want to have a toy online store somehow, you know, Toys Inc. or Toys.com. Maybe that way, but, you know, the stores, there's no sense going to you know, retail business anymore because it's, they don't exist. Well, thank you so much for those words of wisdom. And to my, my other half, my handsome, amazing husband, thank you so much for being on the show today. And thank you everyone for watching. And invite me again. Thank you.